This next story happened actually last week, and when I saw the headline and read through it, I, my instant thought was, what a travesty, absolute travesty. And it's a case involving two Toronto hospital security guards who were accused of causing the death of a female patient, a woman whose case has now literally been thrown out by a judge who ruled out there's not enough evidence, despite the fact that there's video available, which is the first point of my astonishment. But the patient we're talking about is 43-year-old Stephanie Warner, and she was admitted to Toronto General Hospital back in May 2020, so we're talking height of the pandemic. She was admitted with a cough and shortness of breath, but it was, it was known that Warner suffered from chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. However, she was admitted as a COVID patient. Now, CBC obtained a video of this particular interaction that would ultimately lead to us seeing um, Stephanie ultimately dead. Uh, but what the video shows is Stephanie sitting in the lobby of the hospital. Her mask is down. She's then confronted by two guards. She's then pushed against a wall. And then all of a sudden, the camera swings away apparently turned by a third guard. The next time we see Stephanie, she's limp in this wheelchair, being taken away by these two guards, her foot dragging on the floor. It is incredibly, incredibly difficult to watch. And of course, she never regained consciousness. Now, despite the fact of the video of showing the before and after, witnesses who allege they saw the guards using force on this woman and the guards admitting themselves to lying about Stephanie assaulting them the judge tosses it out again. I, I, I find the whole thing questionable, but I, I don't, it doesn't, it, to me, it's just an absolute failure of accountability. I want to bring in Denise Warner. She is a sister of Stephanie, and I so appreciate you uh, joining us today, Denise. Hi, good morning. Thank you so much for having me. And I hate to have to have you listen to that and lay out all the facts, but the bottom line is, I mean, you are fighting for justice for your sister and you know, other than, than a headline, I want, I want you, before we go into the, the body of this, but, you know, your sister's life has essentially become a, a, a court ruling that's been tossed out. But who was Stephanie? Like, who was she? And, and why is it so important for you to, to make sure she, she gets her justice? Thank you for opening with that. Stephanie was my younger and only sister. Uh, she was really a kind and beautiful soul. She was artistic. She was sweet. Um, mm -hmm. You know, she was tiny, very petite woman. Um, and she loved really hard. She wore her emotions on her sleeve. Um, you know, she was just a really super kind person. I was very lucky to have her as a sister. So to lose her in the way that you and your family have to see it so public to have to watch video of that, I have to think and now with a judge tossing this case out, it's uh, what was already impossible is further made impossible. It has had significant impact upon myself and our family. It's been an incredible emotional injury, not just to us, however, but to the community. Um, you know, it, we're, we, we demand trust and we demand integrity. And um, obviously that didn't happen at, at many system levels. And it, it has been incredibly dark. I bet. Not only going through the pandemic like everyone else, the lockdowns like everyone else, the stress like everyone else, then you have this, which is not something that is easily, if ever, 
um, <laughs> accepted, let alone able, you know, something you ever get over. But let me go into a bit of the background and correct me where, where I'm wrong, because I did not cover this case, and, and I've covered many, but I didn't cover this, so I want to get it right. But at the preliminary, uh, you know, which is the process where you kind of start looking at the evidence and what, what, what you have, what you don't, and whether or not there's a case. But the forensic pathologist during the preliminary stages testified, quote, but for her interaction with the guards, Miss Warner would likely be alive today. And yet the judge ruled that there's no evidence that either accused applied any weight to her upper body and beyond that associated with gaining control of and holding her hands or arms while handcuffs were being applied. So if we have witnesses that can fill in the missing information from when that camera turned away and they've got a pathologist testing me, what, where was it that the judge didn't see evidence? Because I've, I've covered a lot of cases where there is no evidence and they still get to a, a trial. But what was it in particular that he couldn't see this going to a trial? Um, it would be conjecture, if I'm honest. I think uh, mm-hmm. Justice Sean Dunphy definitely took the power of, away from the people. It was unjustifiable for him not to move this on to trial as Justice Quality, sorry, Quali, who had listened in for three weeks, had remanded it to trial. Um, mm-hmm. You know, my, my that suspicion is that Justice Dunphy was uh, prejudiced by um, the uh, COVID phobia, you know, he kind of landed on the fact that it was the you know onset of COVID and, you know, people were, you know, very anxious and nervous and, and afraid. And um, so he seemed to empathize with the security guards um, in that regard. You know, my position, D- despite I, the I fact, the, despite the fact that the, the security guards admitted that they lied. Uh, I, I actually think that Justice Dunphy did not take that into account. Remember, Justice Qualley was the original justice who listened in for three weeks and heard the entirety of testimony and evidence. Justice Dunphy listened to an appeal, which he received some written summations and a few hours of oral summations. So he he didn't Mm -hmm. have the benefit of the totality. You know, so I think that um, he really took matters into his own hands. I think his own prejudice and bias showed and he took the power away from the people. You know, uh, from what I've read about the case, uh, following it along during these preliminary matters, um, it, there were the suggestions that your sister didn't have her mask on. And that's when there was a confrontation with the guards who wanted the mask on. And I think the argument was, well, look, I've got a breathing condition and I can't breathe. Is that correct? And is and it, I mean, because the one question it, would, we would want to know is why did that guard, why did that third guard turn the camera away at the moment where the guards have gotten into a confrontation with your sister that seemed to have been sparked by the fact that she had her mask under her nose? I think what's really important to focus on here is context. You have a woman in a hospital, in a mm-hmm. hospital gown, um, who is clearly visibly unwell. This was also testified to by other witnesses. So that context should have put security guards, hospital healthcare security guards in a frame of mind and understood that, you know, they should have taken a few moments to determine whether this, the distinction was, was this person being willful and, um, you know, thumbing their nose at the masking policy or was there another reason? However, they approached her and within minutes of engaging with her is when they gripped her and attacked her. And, you know, I'm, there was zero discernment here. And I think that there was, 
you know, that again, there was bias, there was stigma, there was phobia um, and and a complete um, disregard for law. What are the next steps for you? Um, so it doesn't look like this is going to proceed criminally. I don't know if the Crown is planning to appeal that, where that is, but is there a next step in civil courts? Like, what is the next step for your family? Well, to, my, to, to the devastation of my heart, the Crown elected not to appeal this, which, frankly speaking, Why? I think um, I, I couldn't speak to that. There was no answer. There was no information. But I think that they've actually made their jobs incredibly difficult because now every de- defense uh, lawyer is going to use this case um, as, you know, as, as an option for an appeal. Um, in terms of our next steps, you know, the, the, the criminal justice system failed us. So we are going to, we are pursuing with a civil litigation. And, and re- that really is, um, I feel there's a, a moral duty here. I need to send a message that brutality from anyone with use of force authority will not be tolerated and further that indifference kills. It's a fascinating case. It is a uh, tragic case. It is littered with questions for me that just don't make sense as to why uh, there's not more want and or determination to make sure that this is seen or appealed. Having said that, Denise, we'll, we'll continue to tell this story. Happy to have you um, continue taking us on this journey. So thank you very much uh, for joining us. I know it can't be easy for you or your family, um, but very much would like to see what next, next steps are taken. So please stay in touch. I'm grateful for that. Thank you so much. Denise Warner sister of Stephanie Warner, who, um, you know, it's you can read about this case. It is a, a confounding case to me. I, not, something's missing here that I don't understand. You've got video, witness, testimony that can fill in any blanks from said video. And you've got one of those accused admitting that they lied about an assault that never happened. Wh- why didn't this proceed to trial? Why? It makes no sense to me. So, I uh, will be very interested to see what the civil courts have to say about it, but we will continue to follow because I do think this case absolutely warrants the attention.